Hi, this is Steve Nellick from Cheap Astronomy. www.cheapastro.com And this is Cheap Astronomy, live in L.A. Well, folks, I am in L.A. with my portable, inexpensive microphone, which is perhaps even cheaper than my home inexpensive microphone. But it does give that live feeling, doesn't it? And, well, L.A. is pretty much what you'd expect. Swimming pools, movie stars... Although the mobile phone coverage is a bit patchy. First day, I visited Griffith Observatory. Apparently some crazy rich guy's folly... Well, specifically, Colonel Griffith J. Griffith... I think the J stands for Griffith... Who built it in the 1930s... Despite the fact that even then, LA light pollution was already becoming noticeable. To be fair though, its primary purpose is not to be a research facility but to be an astronomy education centre, and this it does awesomely well. The planetarium is fabulous, and I got to sit in a seat dedicated to Brian May, ex-Queen guitarist, and of course now an astronomer. Find it if you can, it was the best seat I found, since I was compelled to do more than just one show. The planetarium switches from the standard, though high-quality, planetarium projector to digital animation, with lots of perspective shots giving you 3D effects. For quite a while, my brain was fully convinced the floor was sloping down at 45 degrees to a flat screen on the wall. It really is that good. The other displays were also excellent. Lots of nicely explained issues such as the lunar cycle, eclipses and seasons, all done with moving models. The big picture, subject of a recent 365 Days of Astronomy podcast, was also there, perhaps more impressive in concept than reality, being a small strip of sky magnified onto a long, two-storey high wall, meaning that details like galaxies and galactic clusters were made visible to the naked eye. The Virgo cluster, which is part of the Virgo supercluster, which, if you're familiar with Cheap Astronomy's homepage, you will know is the one that we're in, is right there in the middle of this really quite big, big picture. There was also a nice exhibit of the planets, showing them all with their relative size and even their relative axial tilts. This got me thinking sceptically about the surety of reporting Venus's tilt as 177 degrees to the average orbital plane of the solar system, based on the fact that it is apparently spinning the wrong way, which has led people to the conclusion that it's been flipped upside down by an impact event and continued spinning the same way that it was when it was the right way up. Isn't it just as plausible that an impact event just sent it spinning around the wrong way without flipping it upside down, meaning it has an axial tilt of just 3 degrees and it just spins the wrong way? While that might be a matter of opinion, not so the reported spin rates. Earth, 24 hours. And just in case you were thinking that maybe they rounded up 23 hours and 56 minutes to the nearest hour, Mars is 24 hours and 37 minutes. No, 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 no. Please refer to my 365 Days of Astronomy podcast on the 9th of May 2009. There you will find an outline of the fact that the Earth takes 23 hours and 56 minutes to spin once on its axis. A day is exactly 24 hours long because that's the period of time between one sunrise and the next. 
For Mars, it's 24 hours and 37 minutes to spin once on its axis, and 24 hours and 39 minutes from one sunrise to the next. You can't have it both ways. But anyway, it was very pleasing to also see some outreach explainers there, who I immediately shocked by asking a question. Having just checked out the observatory's 12-inch refractor, I asked about the light pollution of LA, which is when the crazy rich guy's folly line came up. Unfortunately, I chose to casually remark on the frequency of which crazy rich guys seem to be American, before I remembered I was in America. The explainer responded in good form, noting that what we were really dealing with was a pool of rich people of which a certain proportion were statistically likely to be crazy, leaving the implication hanging that the apparent frequency of crazy rich Americans was really just a result of there being so many rich Americans and nothing to do with there being a more than usual number of crazy people. Another great thing I saw at Griffith? A Segway tour. Seriously, there was a group of five people whizzing around on identical segways, led by a guy with a microphone on a segway, telling the folks all about the observatory, the surrounding Griffith Park, James Dean, and all that. I wondered how he managed to maintain a continuous narrative when it was necessary to switch between totally unrelated stories. Hmm. Then, well, I had to do some work. You know, work work. And then it was Tuesday morning, just after 830 and I was in California. Good morning, Twist Minion. You're on the air with This Week in Science. Hi, this is Steve from Australia. How hey, Steve. This is Steve from Australia, really? Yeah, really. Wow, you must... Wait, is this like the middle of the night for you? No, no, it's like uh, midday. No, well, I'm not actually in midday? Australia, that's the thing. So oh, okay. I'm here in Los Angeles. I've only ever listened to your podcast before, but I, I thought I'd ring in since I'm here in Tuesday morning. Oh, that's, that's right. I got, you sent an email and you asked when would be I a did. good time to call. Well, <laughs> I'm, so, right. Here you go. I'm so glad you're calling in. How, how are you loving California? Are you loving Los Angeles? I am, yes. It's very nice weather here. It's winter back home, so this is fabulous. <laughs> it's a good vacation. You came, yeah. here, you came here to stay away from the swine flu, didn't you? That's right. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I'm the guy who sent in the, the question of the month a while ago about the oxygen levels in the atmosphere. Do you remember that one? I yes, do, absolutely. and we kind of stopped there, and I haven't gotten back. We, we've had guests, and the show hasn't been able to talk about that question really on the air. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. I was hoping someone would bring in and, and say it was all nonsense and there's no way that human activity could ever affect the oxygen content of the atmosphere, but no one's come in and said that. Right, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone has come up with that point. I don't know, no. I don't know if I've ever heard that, actually. Well, I hope it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> well, we probably affect it indirectly, maybe. Yes. You know, affecting, well, I mean, tipping the balances. Look, balances. we absolutely can be affecting the oxygen level. and the, Absolutely. The global warming, you know, we don't know what direction it's going to take on plant life yet. It could actually increase it. It could make vast <laughs> swaths of land that right now aren't, you know, aren't very uh, full of foliage. They could turn it tropical. If we turn Greenland tropical all of Siberia, and then have some rough plants down through the center, we could actually increase the oxygen level back up to the point where we get larger snakes, the giant insects again. We can get all those things back. On the other hand, if, all, you know, if, a lot of, if, if the heat goes up too quick and the uh, plant life can't react in time, 
you know, we can have all these little areas of habitats that die off because it's, it's all happening so fast they don't have time to adjust. We can end up with less plant life and foliage on the planet and therefore less oxygen. And yeah, we could like, uh, get smaller insects, smaller snakes yeah. at least. And also well, if, we, if we kill off all of the plankton, the photosynthesizing little organisms in the oceans. Yeah, they'll be then. fine. We got rid of all the fish that feed on them. They're going to explode. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to having my own pet giant dragonfly. <laughs> I know. All Wouldn't that be cool? Instead of a little piece of string that you tie around its neck, you're going to have to use like some kind of like high-gauged rope. Mm. <laughs> you know? no, they're going to be massive. <laughs> I, I, I take my dragonfly for a walk on a titanium leash. <laughs> Thank you Can for I calling you guys, in. Uh, Okay. I better go now. <laughs> You're being called to the airport. <laughs> Your yeah. flight. Good luck. I'm just going to say, I'll link to you on my website, which is called Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. We'll go check it out for sure. Awesome. Thanks, right, Steve. You. Yeah, you too. Thanks for calling us all the way from Los Angeles, uh, okay, Australia. Have a good day, Australia. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. Smooth, huh? I bet Justin logged into Cheap Astronomy just as soon as they finished the show. The fame and stardom I've always dreamed of can be only moments away. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where you can see the stars without having to buy a ticket to Hollywood, which is in Los Angeles, you know. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye.